Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. Amen. <laughs> but I talked about shutting the mouth of the lion. So often we think of, of the devil as a lion because he's a roaring lion, and I think of him having no teeth and, and all of those things that we've talked about. There was a time when I was in Sarasota, and I was there with uh, uh, Doreen, and, and we were doing some ministry and enjoying some ministry while we were there. And we were staying in a room that kind of was on the bottom floor of this place that opened up in a great uh, there was a little lake beside it. It was very beautiful. And, but we were on the bottom floor, and it just kind of opened up. You could open up the door and just kind of walk around this little lake that was there. And we'd met up with her brother, and I was saying, you know, I, I like birds. So for those of you who don't know, I like birds. I enjoy them. I like them in my backyard. We have songbirds. I enjoy them. And, I, and so, you know, so I'm thinking, what is this lovely bird? I, I, it wasn't a sound I recognized. And so when we saw our brother, I said, what's, what's that bird making that sound? And he said, that's not a bird. <laughs> that's an alligator crocodile, I don't remember. It was one of those reptile-type creatures. Now, when I thought it was a bird, it was like, no big deal. And he says, no, it's an alligator. I'm like, oh. And I'm thinking, we're on the bottom floor. <laughs> Suddenly, I wasn't keen. He says, oh, yeah, they're everywhere. And that's what they wake up in the morning, and they're hungry, and they're eating, and da, la, la. I'm thinking we have a door, we open up, we walk there, and it was just, you know, I like to go for a walk in the morning. I'm thinking not, not so much anymore. Not there anyway. <laughs> Perception is everything. When I thought it was a bird, it was no big deal. But when I heard it was something with big teeth, I got concerned. So much of our life is like that. One of the keys to shutting the mouths of lions is getting God's perception, God's view, God's perspective and answer and solutions to that roar. And so when we think about all those things and we've been talking that faith is the thing that's going to shut that up because what I believe will change my perception. So because I believed it was a bird, no big deal. When I heard it was something different, I had to step back a bit and readjust. Hmm? What I believed changed my perspective. What I believed. At first, I believed it was harmless. It was still not able, and I wasn't anywhere near it. I was nowhere near the croc or alligator. Croc. In, in Sarasota, is it a croc or an alligator? Alligator. Pointy nose, not round. Right, alligators like an A at the front. Right? <laughs> Crocodile's got a C and it's round. There you go. Right, now you're blessed. See, now that's a little factoid. Be blessed. Amen. Y'all going to go, hey, that was really cool, Pastor. <laughs> Amen. In Numbers chapter 13, it's in the back. You know, go left. Go left and then, you know, not all the way left to Genesis, but come forward a bit. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, we're in Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, we're in Numbers 13. Numbers 13. I'm starting at verse 31. And we're talking about the, the folks that go up and, and then they're going to look at the wall with Joshua. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we. Must be an alligator. <laughs> they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we've gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. They're going to have lunch. <laughs> Somebody said we talk about food every Sunday. Different kind of food. <laughs> but food nonetheless. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. Be assured, I want to tell you this morning, how many people here, just pause for a minute, ever seen a wheelchair? You seen a wheelchair? Is it real? You see people in a wheelchair? Typically, they can't walk. Most people aren't faking it. But it's real. That's a real situation. What they were looking at was a very real situation. These actually were giants. These are like the same kind of crowd that Goliath came out of. That's these people. They were big guys. And the Israelites were not that big. They were little people. Everybody's little when they're standing next to a Goliath creature. So they weren't lying. There really was a wheelchair with a person who couldn't walk in it. That seems so big. How could God get someone out of a wheelchair? How could God heal somebody who's lame? How could God open a blind eye? How could God do it? How can God change a pandemic? How can he make a, a sickness and disease halt in its steps? Perspective. Perspective. Unfortunately, in perspective, there's a decision that has to be made. Right? When I'm thinking of alligators and crocodiles... I had to make a decision. If I couldn't see them, I could hear them. I could hear them. Were they anywhere near me? Could they attack me? Would the door, which was kind of thin actually in these places, and it was kind of a camping ground, so even the walls were quite thin. It was one of those places that uh, when I get up and pray, and, and you know, Doreen and I are having a great time praying, and you realize the whole neighborhood can hear you because you've heard the people next door in the washroom. They, they, weren't, they weren't what you'd call thick walls. So hearing things, hearing things was making a difference. Hearing was affecting what I believed. So I had to make a decision about what I thought. I had to make a decision about what I believed. And in this day that we're living, we need to make some decisions. And the question I have is, are your decisions being driven by a perceived size of the storm? Are your decisions being driven by a perceived size of the storm? It's global. Hmm? These are the words that we are what? Hearing. We're hearing the roar. We're hearing the words of the war. 
and, and, and they're, they're being spread everywhere, not just on the TV, they're on the media, they're, they're in people's mouths when you enter a store. Well, we're all in this together. I'm not in that. I am not in that. I am not in sickness together. I'm not there. Amen? Amen. Now, I don't criticize those people wearing masks because we walk in kindness. What am I in? I'm in the character of God, and the character of God is loving, kind, gentle, full of mercy, long-suffering, and some of you may feel it's a little long. (laughs) But that doesn't give us the right to criticize. Wear a mask. The disease is just as real as the wheelchair, but that doesn't mean we're in it. doesn't mean we have to sit in it. Doesn't mean we have to go for a ride in it. It doesn't mean we have to be afraid of it. We have to put some right things in our box. We have to understand the difference of being driven or led. Drive always has a pressure behind it. And it kind of says, well, if you don't do what we do, right? Isn't that everywhere? You got to be like us. You got to think like us. Don't you know if you don't pick up the panic like the rest of us, there's something wrong with you? I'm not driven by that thing. (laughs) But they can't hear that because fear is irrational and you can't rationalize with irrational people. It always has a, I've got to do this. I've got to, there's a pressure that comes. I must. I've never noticed the Holy Spirit do that. He drew me. He drew me to his presence. It was wonderful. And so so wonderful, I couldn't get enough. I want to come back for more. But drive doesn't do that. Drive is like pushing, I've got to do this or I'm not going to be a good Christian. Hmm? I better hold myself and do all the law. Well, laws are there for people who reject conviction. That's why we have laws, because they couldn't hear it in their heart, what was right and what was wrong. And you hear it in your heart. God writes his laws here, so we know, don't lie. Now, I've heard some Christians tell some pretty long stories. (laughs) Don't lie. It's easy to spot some other people's sin, but we're not the sin spotters. That's not our job, neither. But if we're walking in his presence, our presence will be convicting. And sometimes people don't like that. There was an opportunity yesterday where the spirit of conviction was moving very strongly. I I felt such a desperation by the Holy Spirit for some folks who were gathered to say goodbye that this might be the last time I saw some of them that were gathered there to say goodbye to a loved one. And I felt such an impression by the Holy Spirit to to really hear from him and, and, and make the gospel plain. And initially, there was a, like a, and a bow down, but then a laughter and moved to the back of the, the place where we gathered. The conviction turned to mocking. Now, I know they tried to do their best to not be shameful in public kind of thing, but they were, their response was, was not appropriate, but appropriate for their heart. They didn't know what to do. And so they rejected and then sort of started making a joke with the person beside them. But we've seen that. I remember, and I think it's good for all of us to remember, those times when we were younger, perhaps, not just yesterday, when the Lord may have convicted us and we've kind of made an excuse or tried to wash it over or laugh it off. 
None of us have ever done that. But we remember the former days after we were illuminated. Um, it's, it's good. And allow the Holy Spirit to work his work. Because when it gets into the emotional realm, because that's what guilt and shame are, emotions, once they hit into the soul realm, mind, will, emotions, imagination's there. So once conviction flips over into the soul realm, it gets all kinds of imaginations. Oh, they don't like me. Oh, all Christians are mean. God's a mean God. Look at all the stuff in the Old Testament where he killed people. And, and their imagination goes out of sorts. It doesn't produce a heavenly harvest. It produces a carnal harvest because they're in their soul. And it produces a soul harvest filled with mind, well, more emotions. And finally, if you've ever met someone who is rejecting conviction and moves into the soul realm and they're not like guilt and shame and full of it, they're angry at everybody, they're angry at their pastor and they don't like it, they don't like church, they don't like that song, they don't, oh, they don't like nothing. And then, you know, their imaginations. I'm really rejected. I've been kicked out. The church is judgmental, blah, blah, and that whole trip. It's because it's in the soul realm. When it's conviction that comes in our spirit man, there will be a heart change and an opportunity to decide and work with it. So as you, as when we're speaking to others and their responses, don't get upset by someone's response. Keep hearing the Holy Spirit. Keep listening. Because he may have an answer at that moment for that individual. He may say, the biggest answer is to be quiet and don't judge yourself. <laughs> but do keep listening. People who are driven uh, get to a place where, where like, a, well, failure is not an option. I better do something. That's what the drive does. When they were thinking about uh, the, these terrible giants in the land and, oh my goodness, Joshua, have you seen them? I know God said there was a promise on the other side, but we ain't going to never get there because that, oh my goodness, the storm's so big. The whole country is going to go down the toilet in a moment. Don't you know? They're going to they're gonna make it so we can never worship in this country again. No, they're not. They're just screaming, they're loud, they're convicted, and they're upset, and they don't have an answer. But we do. And I've never seen where that should ever stop us from or get excited or get in that thing. Don't get in that thing. Don't be in that loop. Don't, we're all in this together. No, I'm not in sin together. I'm not in sickness together. I'm not in doubt together. Hmm? I'm not in a pandemic. I'm a fanatic, but I'm not in a pandemic. <laughs> And when, when, the, when it comes with that push, oh, failure's not an offense, we've got to do something, we've got to do something, we've got to do something, don't you know? And it can flip over and become a real, I've got to do something Christian. I better do something Christian. I've got to do something, I've got to do something. I, I better evangelize the world. <laughs> That's it, I'm going to quit my job, I'm going to run all over the world, I'm going to, everybody I meet, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. Well, maybe. But if it's not producing a heaven harvest, maybe it wasn't God who told you that. When God's in it, it will have heaven's harvest markings all over it. It'll have increase. It'll have favor. It'll have a, that right go. It will have peace, and it won't have that push behind it. Amen. And, and I'm not saying the world doesn't need saving. Please do. Please be hearing the Holy Spirit. Let him lead you. Let him show you. This person, go speak with them. Share the word of God with them. I had an interesting experience yesterday afternoon. We were coming out of the store, and, and uh, somebody had mis, missed charging Doreen for something. 
And so we were like, oh, that was a ride. It should have been more. So we'd go back and we'd take the thing and make sure she paid for it. And the girl was so shocked. Now it wasn't, it was like butter, you know? A couple of, a pound of butter. So, well, $6 for five bucks. <laughs> and, and so she goes back to paper and the girl's like, you just, why didn't you just like walk away? But that's not what we do. And so we're, we're chatting, walking back to the car and, and, and during the, oh, she's so shocked. And I said, well, the, the reason she's shocked is because there's so few honest people anymore. And someone's sitting in their truck with their window down and they hear this. And the guy bellows out, I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we have a great conversation. And so, it, so where do you go to church? <laughs> I just dive in, you know. And we have a great conversation. And very shortly afterwards, he says, I'm so glad I'm forgiven. I said, good, you know. I tried to bless him, and he was like, I just saying, you know, well, bless you. Have a good day. And, okay. But he got real nervous all of a sudden. I'm like, well, praise the Lord. You know, and I'm like, Exci well, he was excited initially until I let it out a little bit more. And I realized that he wasn't quite where I was at, but that's all right. God bless him. And, uh, and it, but he was happy, and we, we shared. And it was so good to just be able to share in a way to bless somebody. Amen. So when, when there, the Holy Spirit's involved, there were two people there who got the message. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And they could see the promise bigger than the wall perspective. When the Holy Spirit's involved, it keeps that plan that I talked about at the beginning uh, from um, Jeremiah 29, 11. It keeps the plan in sight. It keeps the end goal. The, there's a leading, and you can walk there without being driven there. He'll lead you, and it's wonderful to be led. It's wonderful to be led. It's like he says, you can go this way. It'll be okay. And, and that doesn't mean that everything that you thought would happen would happen. It just means whatever happened, you'll be fine. Amen? There's times in my life, and I thought, well, it's going to go this way, and it did not. And, and times uh, where I thought, dear Lord, what were you thinking? Um, well, I said yes, and that's why we're here. Amen. <laughs> and, and you think, why, why did I say yes to the Lord? This is, this is uncomfortable. So comfort isn't necessarily not being led or discomfort. We don't measure being led by our comfort level. Amen? I, I noticed this as they, we go down. We're now in Numbers 14, verse 1. Because they do get there and, and things turn out, and, and now they're going forward. And in verse 1, it says, All the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. We are living in a time where this is very relevant to our current situation. There are people who are struggling, struggling with mental illness in ways we have not seen. And I have to say to you, people of God, this is our time. This is our time to walk in love, to reach out, to see them, to acknowledge them, and stretch out a hand and comfort those and bring words that can change their situation. I... I'm looking around and I think every person in this room is born again. If you're born again, you have something you can give someone else. Amen. You have something. And it may not come how I, well, it probably won't come like I do. But that's perfectly fine. It will come how God put it in you. And that's what he needs. He needs every one of us on the field working. It's our day. 
And it's our day to get in the field. I noticed this. There are people crying. There are people uh, that it says they wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against the leader. And it's easy in this time when things aren't going how we think to pick at leaders. Why isn't so-and-so saying this? Why isn't so-and-so? We can pick at our government leaders. And, and frankly, uh, I don't know any in Canada that are truly born again or filled with the Holy Spirit that are currently leading our country. We cannot expect them to act like God, live like God, or demonstrate God. We are living in a day and age where I'm sure that that scripture that's fulfilled, it says when the, when the eyes of the Lord go across the land, he doesn't see a lot of faith. But it's time he did. And it's time we got a hold of the word of God in strength and walked in it and believed it and got his perspective on what to do and how to do it. Amen. Amen. And I look at this and the response was great in verse three. Wherefore has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey? And we, I see this in response to, should we send our children to school? Are they going to fall sick to the pandemic? Are, are they not going to be protected? Because we know this, the government cannot protect them. And people cannot protect each other. But there is one who can and who will, who we can trust in that is bigger than any storm. His voice is clear and we can trust him to keep us safe and whole. Amen. I like how his response, verse 5, And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly, and Joshua, the son of Nun. And he says, and he says they, they tore their clothes. Now, please keep your clothes on. But <laughs> he said, they were, there was a desperation in the people of God to hear a response, to hear what God had to say to change the situation. And I'm telling you this morning, by the Spirit of God, we have not been desperate enough. We have not come to the place where we're willing to let go of the things that make us comfortable in in this land. We're going to have to come to a place where we might get uncomfortable in the presence of God. Let him convict us and, and take away the things that have hindered our walk with him and let him purify us again that we would be a people that are not hindered nor delay nor hold back when God says go. We need to go, and we need to go fearlessly. We need to go boldly and not be worried or thinking about our past. Last week, we heard a great message on the perfection that God works in us, and we need to just walk in that, to live in that, and to know that he's with us and trust his voice. It's pure, and it's clean, and it'll get us there. Obedience always brings a reward. Always. Always. And it's not just about you. Obedience isn't about you doing right before God and getting a nice little, you know, gem on your crown. <laughs> Obedience is something that helps others. We obey God and his spirit flows through us so we can work his plan and, and help others in life. Obedience brings joy into the land. It changes the ways of the land. It can impact our city and our country. And it can make a flow to change someone else. Because it brings courage to others. When they see you courage, courageously obeying the Lord in your life. And it might not be as quick. You know, sometimes we want to, you know, make people obey by a good stiff. We know that that has a, it produces a certain work in children. But it doesn't get a long-lasting work until they get it in their heart. But when obedience becomes a lifestyle, it produces something in others that go, you know what? I can do this too. I can do this too. I can be strong. I can not get under the fear of the day. 
I can live what God said. I can believe him to protect me. I can believe him to keep me. It's wonderful. The Amplified Version of Luke eleven twenty eight 28 says, but he said, blessed, happy to be envied rather than those who hear the word of God and obey and practice it. That they're actually happy. They're happy. Well, I want to be joy-filled. Well, be joyful and happy. I've often said this, you know, happy is not a curse. You know, people go, well, you know, happiness isn't joy. Happiness is temporary. And we don't want to, and putting down happy. Like, have both and be well. You know, walk in the store, leave people different than you found them. Amen? <laughs> and people notice when you're happy. They don't always notice when you're joyful. Joy is something inside. Happy is what you wear on the outside. But hopefully both are working together. Yeah. Amen? <laughs> I think as we move forward with God's plans that he's been speaking into our hearts, it can be very difficult to hold on to uh, if you're still in rebellion to his plan. There's a great strength that comes in obedience. And we're not talking about following laws here. We're talking about that place in your heart where you just know to do right, where you just know. You didn't have to have anybody tell you. You just, you just know this is the right way to go. It's good to love people. It's good to bless people. And so many people, they go, I want to pray for people and see them make well. Well, how about living well? How about praying for your own situation and getting victory? Start there. A long time ago, uh, uh, and I heard about, you know, God blessing you and whatnot, I thought, I really needed a pair of shoes. And, and we were in a very tight time financially. And, and so I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this out. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, our own self, right? So I thought, I'm going to believe God for a pair of shoes. Sold a little bit of money toward him. And, and uh, so something could come along, and I started saving. I started saving for those shoes. And something could come along, and I have to spend the money on something else. Some of the children needed something for something. So I start saving again. So after about six months of me trying to answer my prayer, I finally went, you know, I don't think I'm supposed to be involved in this. <laughs> and so much of our faith walk or shutting the mouth of lions is about us trying to shut it ourselves with our own strength and understanding and our own ways of doing things. What does that look like, Pastor? Well, it's when you say, well, that's it. Today, I'm going to confess the word of God 15 times over, five times a day. Now, I, I'm not against confessing the word of God. I think it's a good thing to do. But if you're doing it to try and make a formula so that you can build a plan, so that you can have the exact work of faith, so that you can drive yourself crazy and everybody else in your house while they listen. And so, <laughs> so finally, you can arrive. It's not really the way to go. I do confess the word. I love it, and I speak it over my life because I love it. Not because I'm driven to do it. He's the high priest of my profession. When I put the word of God in my heart in abundance, guess what's going to come out? The word of God. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, right. So if I'm putting the word in abundance, I'm not making a pressured confession of faith. The word of God just comes out because I'm in a situation. And the word rises up because I put it in. And it rises up and, oh, yes, that's what the word says. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It keeps us. It protects us. Whew. Deuteronomy 11.8 says, Therefore you shall keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong 
and go in and possess the land where you go to possess it. So there's a place where we're taking hold, and I talked about that, how to take the territory, and the first territory you need to take is your own identity. But we take that identity by pouring in the scriptures about who the Lord and what the Bible says of who we are, and we take that in. We read about it. We meditate on it. We pray about, Lord, this is what your word says. Let it be manifested in my life. And so as we put it in and it comes out, now we're beginning to take that territory. And when you take that territory in your own heart about your identity, and then it just becomes an automatic, right? So when the mouths are roaring and everything looks so gigantic in size and insurmountable, you can go, wait, God's promise is on the other side of this. Because in Romans chapter 5, it says, glory in your tribulations of trying your faith works patience, and patience works experience. And so we know that if we've tried it over here and it worked, I eventually did get my runner. Somebody took me out and bought me some. They lasted for years. And so then it was like, well, I'd go back and say, I know what it was like. I knew how to get a pair of runners. And so when the Lord said, you know, believe God for a car. So I did. And we've been blessed with cars for years, for years, over and over and over. But it started with a pair of shoes. And it worked experience in my life. Worked experience. I go, well, this is what God always keeps his promise. Joshua spent a lot of time in the presence of God. He got to hear him, know his voice. So when he said, this is what's ahead, and God said, go, then he went, meh, doesn't matter what's in the way. God's in this. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. God's in this. It doesn't matter. We're just going to go. Can't you see what we can see? Can't you see it's a land full of milk and honey? Can't you see this is our greatest opportunity than ever to have a revival in our country? Can't you see that when people finally admit they need help, you can give them some? They're admitting it. They're crying all over this land. They're saying, I need help, I need help, I need help. Hello? Hear the cry. Hear the cry. Hear it. There's a great and wonderful thing that happened in the Old Testament. They often made altars. And last year sometime, I began to speak about altars and, and how God was restoring the altars in our life. And when I said we haven't been desperate enough to find his presence, like Joshua found the presence of the Lord, there was a place that altars were highly respected. We talk about the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was a big box they carried around in war, right? It was made of acacia wood, and it was inlined with gold, meaning gold on the outside and gold on the inside. So you couldn't see the wood anywhere. And that that was a representative today of who we are. That today, I may be in the flesh. That's my fleshly skin that you can see with your eyes. That's my acacia wood. That's the wood. Inside, I've got the gold of God. And under the ministry anointing, I've got the gold on the outside. There's a believer's anointing, and that's the gold on your outside, too. I mean, wherever I am, I've got gold on the outside and gold on the inside. So when people look, they go, that's Jesus. That's how that works. So I'm a representative of the ark today. And so what was inside the ark? The tablets of stone that had the law that was written on where? Our hearts. And also had the healing stick. Aaron's rod that budded went in there. There was also an altar 
that was in the tabernacle, there was an altar of intercession. It was made kind of the same way, with four corners. Just like the gospel has four corners that surrounded us. And that altar of prayer was still wood with a gold in the inside and the outside. And there's a place where God's calling us to that gold. And we're not, we're not going there. We're not doing what Joshua did. We're not hearing in the way he's called us to hear. The most interesting thing is once they got the train moving, so to speak, and, the, and the, they were all up and moving into the promised land, they got in the promised land and things changed. Once they crossed over into Jericho, once they got into the land flowing with milk and honey, the altars changed. What we see being formed then is altars made out of stones. It was the first time we see it was when they crossed with Moses and they crossed to the other side. When there was a crossing over and at the cross, we hear that Jesus is the rock, right? Jesus was the rock at the cross. And we begin to see is when there was a crossing over into the promise, when there was a crossing over, there begin to build stones and they use stones to represent the altar. And in Deuteronomy 27, 6, it says, you shall build the altar of the Lord thy God of whole stones. And that word for whole is guess what? What do you think it is? Fullness, glory. You know what it is the wholeness of God. And we know that at the cross, there was a wholeness there. There's, it's, it's a form of shalom in that verse. The whole thing. The whole thing of whole stones. Jesus was the rock on which the church was built. And then, but altars were made out of many stones, not just one. He was the chief cornerstone, but today he's looking for whole stones at the altar whole stones to build, to make a place and say, this is where it occurred. And he's calling us back as the stones of his church to be built upon, to be layered together and say, I remember. You remember a few weeks ago, I said it's so important to hold on to our first love. And I'll tell you what, there needs to be some stones put down for this. You remember that first love? Do you remember what it was like when the Lord touched you? Do you remember what it was like when he filled you with the Holy Spirit? Oh my. Do you remember what it was like when you were healed? Do you remember what it was like when he touched you? Do you remember? Are the stones being laid in your life? Here's where the Lord is working in me. The altars need repairing. It's time to come back and let God move in us again in a way that will be led and not driven, in a way that we will stand and not lean over and fall the first time the devil says something or roars in the corner. Yeah. We might see some things. They're real. Diseases are real but they shouldn't make us wiggle. No big deal. No big deal. No big deal. But it's interesting that he says whole stones. Whole stones. Whole. The Hebrew word is perfect or complete. And it's time, especially with, with the reflection on Pastor Ann spoke yesterday in perfect. Go back and listen again. So many of us get stopped because we look at all the things that are wrong. We look at the limitations. And even when the Lord says, yeah, he told us to do this. And this little kind of but comes out. But 
He knows who we are. We know we don't want to get into pride. And we know this and we know that. That is remembering who you were. And instead of leaving it behind, it's pulling it forward. I do not need my past in my foresight. Amen. And neither did any of you. And as the stones of my life are there, I'm not remembering what I did wrong. He hasn't. I only remind him of it. God, don't you remember? Why would you use me? Don't you remember when I did this or I didn't listen correctly or I blew it over here? Joshua blew it once. Even after he'd spent time with God. Well, I spent time with God. I had a year of prayer. Praise the Lord. Now we've gone on. No, there's always a time of prayer. Joshua knew how to hear the Holy Spirit. He was a person ready. He was a person who heard. He was a person who obeyed and was marked for it. He was a person of great faith. And even to the point where the Bible says in Joshua 9, I think, where he says, no man has, has from their time had the, the Lord responded like to his words like him where he stopped the sun. But Joshua got deceived. Some people came along. And they looked real Christian-like. They did all the right stuff. And it appeared to them to be a friend. And they went, okay, we want to make a, a thing with you, and it'll be all right. We're going to work this out. I felt this was very important right now in our time. That there are people come along, and what they'll say will seem reasonable. It'll seem normal. This is a new normal. And they're trying to sell this piece about what life. And it's easy to look at it and say, well, it sounds pretty good. You know? And in Joshua chapter 9 and verse 14, he welcomes them in, these strangers. And the men took up their victuals, it says. It says, now he's welcomed them in, they're feeding them. And this last part of the verse, they asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. They asked not. This was outside of Joshua's character and nature. When we talk to you about walking in the very character of God and being a whole stone perfected in his image through the blood, hold on to the character that God's birthing in you. Don't let it go outside of what you know to be true. Hold on fiercely. Do what you've always done. Get in the holy place. Hear from heaven about the decisions. Hear about it. Even when it sounds so good and so reasonable and so right, and it may even appear right. This appeared right, what they were saying to him. You can read the whole story when you go home. They presented themselves in such a way it all seemed true. But he didn't ask God. And for time eternal, and from this time forth, they became servants in the house of God. They were given a menial job of cleaning up after the sacrifices. But because now he had made a promise to them, he had to work with a broken leg. There are times in our life where the devil dupes us and things do come along. And while the blood of Jesus works, it's like we always have this hitch, so to speak. 
Can he perfect it? Yes. Does it need to hinder us for the rest of our life? No. Is it hard to get over? Yes. I would not be a truthful person and, and a truthful minister of the gospel if I didn't say some things are harder to get over than others. It's the truth. Otherwise, we'd all be walking in perfection every single day. But we know some have great difficulty getting over stuff we miss. Can it be done? Yes. But it'll be the war of your life. Well, Pastor, aren't you giving us a good message? Yes, I am. I'm giving you just hear from God first. That's the easy part. Hear from God. When you hear from God, even when it looks right and everything, da, 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 and these guys are like crazy and weird and whatever. Hear from heaven. It will witness in your spirit, man. Not up here in your head. Not where your eyes are, but where your spirit, man. There'll be a witness in your spirit, man. This is the word of the Lord. And it will never be in disagreement with his word. Never. The principle, the character of the situation will never be outside of his word. I understand there are some things when you're making decisions that aren't specific chapter and verse, but there's always character of it. There's always character of it. They could have taken some time. They didn't have to do it that day. See, we could take time. We could take time. Sometimes I don't have the answer in the first time. Are you shocked? I don't have the answer the first time. Well, I prayed. That's it. I got the answer. Hallelujah. Yeah, I would like it to be that way every single day, wouldn't you all? But it doesn't work that way. But don't get up from the table just because you didn't get, you know, carrots that day. Some people don't like carrots. Some people like Brussels sprouts. Bless them. I like Brussels sprouts with bacon. Whatever that you want that you've seen that God's promised may not happen the first time. Your answer may not be there the first time. Had Joshua gone and said, you know, I'm going to wait till I hear from the Lord. You can stay here. Please stay here. But we're going to seek the Lord. Would have changed the whole situation. That's all. Take the time. Get settled in his voice. I know this. When I'm led, there's always peace. Always peace. Even if it looks way out there. Way out there. The second time we were believing God to go to Kenya, we so had a witness that we were supposed to go that time. And we had no money. And money wasn't coming in. And, and the person who was arranging the, the big outreach, he's like, are you coming? We're going, yes, we are. No money, no ticket. We were going. <laughs> we had it settled. There was a peace inside that it was God. We went. And the money came about 16 days before we were supposed to leave, but it came. <laughs> Amen. Did we trust God? Yes, he took care of everything. And that year there were so many, many miracles. And so it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. And we were blessed and it was wonderful. There was another time we were supposed to go somewhere and God kept saying, no, mm, 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 mm. we did not have peace. And we obeyed that. Did I want to do it? Yes. But there was that nope, and we obeyed. And I can tell you, sometimes it's more difficult to obey a no than a yes. 
So when you're thinking about all these things, I believe that in my life, and I'm sharing this to help you, it's the altars that have been built through prayer, through the word of God, through worshiping him. All these things in my life have held me in those times when I didn't know what to do, when I didn't have the answer, when I knew that there was a future plan, but I didn't have today's step except for continuing what you know to do. And so the places in my life, the, the stones that have been laid, my first love, the places where I knew God had spoken to me, the places where he touched me, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, all these things, they were steady in my life. And they would get me through all the times where it's been, I have no idea what to do next. But God spoke and I could trust it was a whole stone. And we can all come to the place where those whole stones are formed in our life. Don't forget them. I encourage you, write them down. Do you remember what it was like when you got born again? I was born again very young, so I don't have a complete picture of that. But I know that there were times later in life where I recommitted my, my heart to the Lord because I was born again very small in Sunday school. And I just remember always loving God. And today I think, my, my. I was reading the King James Version when I was in grade one and two. And, and I think, huh, I just thought that was normal. <laughs> and you grow up and you realize, oh, I, I don't know many grade, you know, age six and seven-year-olds that could read that. But it was just so normal. It's what we got. We all got given King James Bibles, so we learned to read them because that's what we had. So we learn to read them. There are things and stones in your life that God's put there. They will help you. They will get you through. And when that roar comes, you're going, that is not the voice of God. And I am not listening. I have a future promise. I have a place God promised me. He has promised that this is a city of salvation. He has promised evangelists would come and walk alongside of us. He has promised we'd have everything we need to accomplish the plans he has for this city of Surrey. And this city shall be saved. Amen. It shall be saved. It shall be saved. Amen. And we'll hear and obey and go at every time he calls us. Every time he speaks, go. And it may be one, one day. And it may be 20 the next. But however he says to go, we're going to do it. And every one of us, you know, there's an equipping inside of you. There's someone that he's got you to talk to. There's someone he's put on your mind to pray for. There's someone who needs you to walk in that caring and that deliverance and that message. You agree? Let's do it. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., 
V3W3B1.